We're going to continue our series in uh, uh, the title of the series is What Do I Do Now? This is message number five, and we have two more after this. And uh, the, <clears throat> the answer to what I do now is walk in, in the light. And our text is Romans 13, verses 11 through, through 14. A website <clears throat> called The Experience Project um, describes itself as a place to anonymously share life experiences from people like you. According to the site's homepage, it's had over 36 million experiences um, shared. That's interesting that it's had that many experiences shared, and most of us have never heard of this website. Um, Visitors to the site are asked to share their thoughts about certain life experiences. And they're asked to answer questions like, what does loneliness feel like? Or, uh, who do you want to spend time with? What is your favorite pastime? In one post, readers were asked to respond to the following statement. I prefer darkness over light. And then they were to write their answer. One young woman, going by the screen name of Beyond Repair, gave these very insightful words. She said, I prefer darkness over light. The darkness allows me to hide who I am and what I truly feel. In the light, all things have a chance to be revealed. Darkness makes it easier to hide. In the dark, you cannot see what is coming. The darkness is a place where you can lose yourself. Lost in the dark is a great place to be because then you're free from what you, uh, what you were and can be uh, what you want. The darkness is bliss. It's an interesting perspective, isn't it? Here's what Jesus said one time in John chapter 3 and verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. We are living in a time unlike any of us could have ever imagined at any earlier point in our lives. Would you have thought that people would have their heads cut off because of their belief in Jesus Christ or because they would not embrace the radical arm of uh, the Islamic religion. We knew that in the past Christians were beheaded, but we thought we were past the past, but it turns out we're not past the past. We're living in a a chaotic, quite honestly, an evil world. Would you have ever thought that the good, the bad, and the ugly in this world was as close to you as your smartphone in your pocket or in your purse? Would you have ever thought that pretty much anything that you wanted to see or read about in the world, no matter how good or bad it is, is available to you on your telephone or on your iPhone or Android device or whatever it may be? Did we ever think that which restroom to use would ever be an issue? I mean, did we ever come to a place of thinking that that would be an issue? 
Jan and I were sitting last night uh, waiting for uh, Ronnie and Jane, actually, Ronnie and Jane Williams. We were sitting at um, Texas Roadhouse, and uh, the there was what appeared to be a mom and dad and, and a son and daughter, or a daughter and maybe a son-in-law or a son and maybe a daughter-in-law, sitting just right over the aisle uh, from us. And it was early on. Um, you know, we're getting older, so we eat early. Uh, I, I will tell you this, and, and I, I think, did I share this with you the other day? I knew that it was, there are certain signs about when it's time to retire. And, and there were signs that had come to me. And like, for instance, I take great accomplishment in laying out my pills for the night and for the next day. I mean, I go to sleep and I think, I'm ready for the next day. That's a sense of accomplishment to me. I, I you know, I... I'll tell you another one. I knew that it was, I was ready to retire. And I'm just being honest with you. When I started to enjoy Metamucil. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, when you take your pills and chase it with Metamucil, you're getting old. You understand? <clears throat> so, I was, I'm there. But anyway, this family was sitting across from us and, and I said, uh, and, and the, the younger man got up to go. He said, I, I've got to go to the, the restroom. And his wife, laughingly, as he stepped away from the table, said loud enough for me to hear it. She said, make sure you go to the right one. And I looked over at them and I said, well, now what difference does it make? He, he may not be feeling all that manly today. This might be a day where he feels like a woman. His woman's side might be uh, coming around today. He should just be able to go wherever he wants to, shouldn't he? I mean, shouldn't he just be able to walk into any restroom? And I, of course, I was joking with them, and they were laughing. I think they were laughing. And <clears throat> but did we ever think that we'd live in a day where that is a discussion? That is a debate? Where laws have to be made about it? There's so many issues of the day that we never dreamed would happen, yet they are front and center in this darkened, darkened world. What does all of this darkness mean? Well, according to our text today, it means that we're getting closer and closer to the day, the day of the appearing of Jesus Christ. And it is time for us to step out of the darkness and walk in the light, Romans 13, 11. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up, to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, and let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sensual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy." But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The premise of this series is to decide what we're to do now. Not collectively, but individually. None of us can fix the world. Okay, we've 
got the, the nominee for the Republican, and we're about to get the nominee for the Democratic uh, race. And now everybody's all up in a, you know, do I support this one or do I support that one? And, and I'm here to tell you that you should vote and you should participate in the system and you should <clears throat> be active. But the reality is what you can really do is fix you. That's the best thing you can do is <clears throat> to fix you. Now that the, the world has, has become what it is, now that there is chaos instead of peace, now that it is obvious that the return of Jesus Christ is near, what do I do now? Well, according to our text, the first thing we need to do is wake up. Are you that person who can sleep through anything? Do, do you wonder how people uh, can ignore things that go around them? Are you that, that person? Can you, can you sleep through anything physically? And do you know people that can sleep through anything otherwise? Could it be that when we think we're awake, to this life that we're actually asleep to what is going on in the world or in our own backyard? Our text tells us to first of all wake up, the alarm is sounding. Some people don't even need an alarm. My dad, to the best of my knowledge, my dad never set an alarm clock. My dad used to go to sleep. Whatever time he was supposed to wake up, he would wake up. And it didn't matter what time it was, if it, it changed from day to day. He needed to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> Some people just, just do that. They set that time in their internal, internal clock and they wake up. Other people, well, they have to set alarms before, uh, several alarms before they can actually respond to one alarm. They set this alarm and then they set another alarm and they set another alarm. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but there's some of you, that's what you do. You set alarms and then you set backup alarms. Other people, uh, and most people, I think, can get by with, with one alarm. What kind of alarm would it take to awaken you to the condition of our world? What kind of alarm would it take to awaken you? Are the moral issues of the day the thing that, that alarms you the most? Is that what would wake you up? Are you disturbed at the, the, the turn of, of the world regarding the sanctity of life or regarding the value of the of the unborn. Does, is that the wake-up thing for you? Does, do same-sex marriages cause you uh, to look at, at our society in a different way? And you say, wait a minute, I, I, somebody wake up. Is it the, the transgender issue or, uh, or something else? Is, that, is your big concern about the economic issues of our day? Does world terrorism, is that the thing? Or, or terrorism in your own backyard, is that the thing that will wake you up today? One of the things that we've got to do now, if we're going to walk in the light, is we've got to wake up. What is it that sounds the alarm in your life, in your Christian walk, in, in the beliefs that you have? What is it that wakes you up? Or have you slept through most all of it? Have you chalked it up to just the way that things are going? It's just the way things are going. It's just the way that things... Look, we are in this era. It's just the way that things are going. You need to just know, preacher, it's just the way that things are going. Can we sleep through everything? I think, first of all, if you're, you're going to wake up, you've got to realize that the alarm is sounding. Here's the second thing. You've got to realize that the time has come. In verse 11 of our text, besides this, you know the time 
that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. God didn't create this world to be chaotic. He created this world in perfection. It was sin that made, brought in the chaos. It wasn't God's idea for immorality or any level of perverseness or disobedience or sin to rule the earth. But it seems like it is. And the alarm is sounding and believers are <clears throat> sleeping right through it. Oh, that's that alarm again. Let me go back to sleep. Oh, they're talking about that again. Let me go back to sleep. We're not speaking up. Believers are not speaking. You know what believers are not doing to the degree that they should? Believers are not speaking up. Believers are not running for office. Believers are not witnessing to their neighbors. Uh, Believers are not being the salt or light that God intended for us to be. That's what's wrong with us. The state of the church is weakened because the people of faith are asleep. Literally, figuratively, in reality, we are asleep. We haven't awakened. Now, that means that we are, in effect, unable or unwilling to wake up to the world around us. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen if we just stay sleeping? Well, Jesus said that when the salt is no longer salty, it's not good for anything. And if the world is being preserved through the witness of the potency of the body of Christ, and it is, you say, well, what, what's going to cause the world to be preserved? There's only one thing that causes the world to be preserved. That's the potency, the saltiness, and the light of the body of Christ. And when that goes away, then the world is gone as far as any kind of influence is concerned. Pastor Ray, where do you see that? Well, I see it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. I want to walk through this with you very quickly. We're, we're talking about <clears throat> the time has come for us to be salt, and the time has come for us to be light. The time has come for us to awake. Listen to this. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. What is the mystery of lawlessness? It's, it's the day that's that's digressing to the coming of the day when, quite frankly, the Antichrist is in charge on this earth. These difficult, wicked, wicked days. So that's the mystery. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Now, who is the one who restrains the lawlessness in the world today? I'll tell you exactly who restrains the lawlessness in this world today. It's the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is ever-present in this world, restraining lawlessness. How is the Holy Spirit of God ever-present in this world? He's present in the lives of you and me, in the lives of believers. He is is present in our lives. As we become salt and light, the Holy Spirit uses us in this world. Let's continue on. Verse 8, and when the lawless one will be revealed from the Lord, whom the Lord will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. I want to go back up to verse 8 again, uh, and uh, excuse me, verse 7, where it says, only he who now restrains, it will do so until he is out of the way. That's a very interesting passage. We'll get to it in just a second. First of all, here's what's being said. It's being said that the time has come for us to wake up to what's going on around us and realize 
who we are and why we're here. Right, let, let, me, let me do a, a scenario. You're in an office. There's 20 people in your office, okay? And, and in your office, there's, there's you and um, another person who are born-again believers. You, you believe you, with all of your heart in Jesus Christ. You have, you have become born again, and you're in that office. Guess who you are in that office? You are the Holy Spirit in that office. Now, that doesn't mean you walk around telling everybody how to live, but you are the presence of the Holy Spirit in that office because the Holy Spirit indwells you. And if the Holy Spirit indwells you, then, and you indwell that office, it's the Holy Spirit of God that gives you the light and gives you the salt. It gives you the ability to be different. It gives you the ability to restrain what evil may go on in that office or whatever it may be. It's very important for us to understand that when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being present on this earth, the Holy Spirit is present within us. We are the presence. We are the, uh, the vessel of the Holy Spirit. Now, when will the Holy Spirit be taken out of the way? When the vessels are taken out of the way. When are the vessels taken out of the way? When are the, the, the containers, if you will, of the Holy Spirit taken away at the rapture of the church? When the church is taken out of the world, then the presence of the Holy Spirit is taken out of the world. Now, what kind of chaos do you think will exist then? If we've got the kind of chaos that we've got now, can you imagine the chaos that will exist then when the presence of the Holy Spirit of the world is taken out by the fact that believers are called up to be with the Lord? You say, Pastor Ray, do you believe that? Once again, I tell you, as I've said before, I don't get to believe anything else. The same book that brought me Jesus in a manger brings me the second coming of Jesus Christ. I don't get to believe anything else. So we need to wake up. The alarm is sounding. The time is coming. Salvation is, is here. Do you recall this passage from Matthew 25? Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Are we like the foolish virgins who just quit looking for the coming of the Lord? Just quit looking for the bridegroom and, and went to sleep. Not only did they go to sleep, they went to sleep unprepared. They all fell asleep, but the foolish ones were completely unprepared. And, and here's what our text says about the coming of the Lord in, in Romans 13, 11. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Look, it's, it's this simple. If Jesus is not coming again, he never came in the first place. If he's not coming again, then he never came the first time. He is coming again, and the time is nearer than when you and I first believed. So what do I do? Well, I wake up. Here's the second thing I do. I get dressed. Not only does our text tell us to wake up and why, it also tells us what to do. And, and what we're supposed to do is to get dressed. Now, to get dressed, there's a couple of things involved. First of all, you cast off. Verse 12, so then let us cast off the works of darkness. Let's be honest, all of us have deeds of darkness in our lives. All of us do. Every person here has some deed, thought, action, tendency, inclination toward a darkened area. 
We have areas in our lives that we do not want to see the light of day ever. It, it can be any number of things, but it is doubtful that anyone of any age is proud of every thought, action, reaction, or value that they have in their lives. If we do not want Jesus to return and find us involved in them, then we, that we have to cast them off. We have to wake up and put those things out of our lives. Those things that are not becoming to our faith or helpful in our walk. Here's how the writer tells us to do it, the writer of Hebrews. In Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin uh, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We have to cast off. What is it that's slowing your, your run down, your race down? You've got to cast it off. You got to lay it aside. You got to say, I'm, I'm going to stop trying to run the race like this in light of the fact that he's coming again and I need to walk in the light. In fact, I need to run in the light. I need to cast off those things that are keeping me from running well in the race. Well, if you cast it off, what do you do? Well, then you put something on. Verse 12 says, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Well, what in the world is the armor of light? What's the armor of light and how do you put it on? How do do I put on an armor of light? Well, Ephesians tells us that very clearly in Ephesians 6 beginning in 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the Lord. It's an armor thing. It's an armor thing. What we're supposed to put on is the whole armor of Christ. It's the armor of light. If you can see yourself equipped for the challenge of living for Christ, being salt and light in the world, in, in a world in chaos, then you might have a chance for the day, but you've got to be equipped. Believers are to take a stand, but not without being properly equipped. Everything about our faith is covered in this passage from Ephesians. Our feet protected by the gospel, our faith to ward off the arrows of the wicked one, our minds protected by salvation. Our only weapon is the word of God, and it's all held together by a belief of the truth protected by the righteousness of Christ. That's how we're held together. Once we wake up from our spiritual slumber and get ready for what lies ahead, then we can walk in the light. Wake up, get dressed, walk in the light. Have you ever awakened before daylight. Many of you wake up before daylight. You ever waken before daylight and just laid there, waited for daylight to come? It's, it's interesting what comes to light with the light of day. Those things that you couldn't see in the night become very clear. You're able to walk with confidence in the light of day, whereas at night you walk tentatively, very carefully. You don't want to stub your toe. You don't want to run into a door. You don't, you, so you walk carefully. You may walk with your hands out. I don't always turn on lights. I, I may walk with my hands out and, and just to be careful. But then when the, <clears throat> the light comes, when the light comes, then I'm able to walk confidently and not have to put my hands out at all. 
Well, we're supposed to walk in the light. Walking in the light is, is an awesome thing. Darkness is good for sleeping, but walking the light, the light is good for walking, for running, for doing. How do we walk in the light? Well, we walk in the light avoiding the hazards. In verse 12 again, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Now, should I stop and go back and read each one of those and explain to you what they mean? Or do you get it? Can you see that without me drawing you a picture? That's how we're not supposed to walk. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, none, to gratify its desires. I told you that we ate last night at Texas Roadhouse. I felt real bad about that, to be real honest with you. I enjoyed uh, being there with uh, my wife and, and my friends, but I felt bad about it because I knew that I was making provision for the flesh. I've lost weight and you know, work out and play golf and look pretty good. And uh, then I go, why are you burying your head in your hands when I say that? <clears throat> and then I, I go there and I'm hungry. First thing they do is they set a bucket of peanuts in front of you. A whole bucket. I don't think you ought to waste anything. So we got started on that bucket. And you know what? They bring these yeast rolls. I know it. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know if they're a gift from the Holy Spirit or a temptation of the devil. I really don't. But they bring these yeast rolls and it's got the cinnamon butter. Shalamahanda. I never eat those things, but there was just something inside of me last night that needed to eat one. I ate one. I wanted five. But you know what? I, I said, well, I'll order something reasonable. So I got a side salad. And I, one of their baked sweet potatoes with honey and marshmallows melted on it. Gee whiz. And a half a rack of ribs. I told my wife, I said, I don't see how anybody can eat a whole rack of ribs. I sure ate that half rack of rib. And I, you know what? I, I absolutely did not avoid the hazard. Everything inside of me knew that I should have been eating grilled fish up the road and rice pilaf. But I found myself there in, in Texas Roadhouse. Every time they go, yeehaw, I say, give me some more peanuts. Whoa. I mean, I was excited about it. You know what happened with me? I made provision for the flesh. I went there, made provision for the flesh. This is where a lot of us fail. It is not the music that's the problem in the church today. Well, I think the music's a problem in the church today. You may not like the music in some churches. That's fine. 
You might not like the music in this church. That's not fine. You ought to start liking it. Larry is a wonderful guy. Susie is outstanding. You ought to like the music. You ought to love it. But it's, that's it's not the problem. It's not whether or not the pastor wears a suit and tie or jeans and a button-up shirt with a shirt tail out and, and the obligatory little glasses. It's not that. The problem is in the church today is that the churches are dimly lit. And the paths for the believers are not being lit very well. All of us all of us know that the light of God does not shine favorably on sexual immorality or on drunkenness or sensuality or infighting or jealousy or any of those things. However, when the local church fails to shine the light of day on the darkness of the world, born-again believers stumble into it in the darkness. That's what's going on. We're not walking in the light because we're not being warned of the hazards. I shouldn't have... I should not have to, you should not have me on a, a call line or a text line and say, hey, I want to do this. Is this right or wrong? You ought to be walking in the light to the point that you see it. And I ought to be guiding you in the light. It's my responsibility as a shepherd of the flock to tell you that there are raging wolves and sheep's clothing out there and they're ready to pounce on you. It is your responsibility as a believer to wake up out of the darkness and see the obvious and walk in the light and not in the dark. Realize what's going on in the world around you and live as far away from the grip of sin as you possibly can. That's not what's being taught in our pulpits today. Our pulpits are bringing the, bringing the church dangerously close to the world to the point of saying, I think you can do this as long as you're careful with it. I think you can do this as long as you're careful with it. That is, look, that is not the way to live the Christian life. The Christian life should be lived far away from the danger. Years ago, I got in a, a car on the Richard Petty experience. I drove the, the Richard Petty experience. I, you gave it to me as a gift, which I don't understand giving your pastor something that could kill him. But, but to prepare myself for this, they put me inside of the, uh, those pa- in a passenger seat of a professional driver. And he, and he went around that track over at, down at Daytona. And, and that guy got so close to the edge, I could have licked the wall. It was just scary close to the edge. That is not the way I wanted him driving me. Now, he said... Now, when you get in, that's what you'll want to do. You'll want to come up high and get as close to the wall without running into it as you can. I said, okay. (laughs) Idiot. (laughs) So I got in that car. I did get up to 153 miles an hour, but I never got over halfway up the bank. And when I was halfway up the bank, I was nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I didn't want to be there. What we've got in our pulpits today are preachers telling you how close you can come to the edge without crashing, encouraging you. You know what they're doing? They're keeping you in the dark. It's time for some good old-fashioned fanatical holy living that is obviously different from a chaotic world. Well, 
It's time for us to enjoy his presence. That's what it means to walk in the light. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me close with this. If someone famous came to the service today, we would all be aware of their presence. Every one of us would be. If they were famous, really famous, and sat down, we would know who they were, and we would be amazed that they were here. With every word that was said today or every song that was sung, we would be thinking, I wonder what that person thinks about it. And when the time comes for us to to greet one another, we would watch to make sure that that famous person is being greeted. Some of you who do such things would text a friend and say, guess who's in church now? And when we got out of church, you talk about Facebook lighting up, all of you would check in. All of you would check in. Check in, guess who we saw at church today? And you'd put their name. Every one of you would check in because that person was at church today. Well, of course, the question is obvious. When did we last set aside the world to the extent that only the light of Jesus guided our paths? When did we last encounter him so much so that like those on the Emmaus Road, our hearts burn within us. When did we last sing a song in the service in hopes that he would like it? When did we last greet every guest with the knowledge that he sent them? When did we last look at this world in chaos and say, I can't fix it all, but I can walk in the light. And that's what I can do now.